0: I thought that was enough and this this night in particular not being able to get to bed it's 10 p.m you know midnight 1 a.m 2 a.m it dawns on me that i have no one to be upset about nothing to be upset about except myself i I didn't work hard enough right and it just it was just like this stark and it seems like super obvious but it was like this like literally um epiphany is the easiest way to put it and i remember just having this deep sense of conviction. I never want to feel like this again, um, where I have this golden opportunity to define my entire life. I kind of had said it, but not really, really lived it. And woke up the next morning, I always like to say, it felt like, you know, Scrooge, you know, on Christmas morning, it was still Christmas. I was like, oh my God, I still have time to be able to kind of make a difference. That's what it felt like. And uh, it was just, yeah, I made a sign and said, let no one outwork you today and kind of committed to that.
1: Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst, now exploring human performance through podcasting, coaching, jujitsu, and endurance athletics. In this podcast, I'll be unraveling the stories of high performers across sports, business, and wellness. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and develop your path and journey. Today's guest is Isaiah Kasavinsky. Isaiah's diverse background includes earning two degrees from Harvard, playing in the National Football League for eight years in between, and achieving success as an experienced entrepreneur and investor. Perhaps what's most impressive about Isaiah's background, though, has to do with where he started from. Isaiah grew up in Endicott, New York, where at times he grew up homeless and without food with his parents. His rise from poverty led him to becoming a subject of an NFL Films profile that received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Long Feature and was also featured on an Oprah Winfrey show titled Why They Beat the Odds. Following his NFL career, Isaiah acted as Global Head of Business Development at MC10 and co-founded the premier sports tech research and advisory firm Sports Innovation Lab. Immediately prior to founding Will Ventures, Isaiah was the managing partner at Blue Star Innovation Partners where he led the firm's sports technology investment practice. Today, Isaiah serves as managing partner of Will Ventures, a venture capital investment fund focused on sports technology and the massive adjacent market opportunities that it opens up. Human performance, health and wellness, media and entertainment, esports, and more. In this interview, we dive deep into Isaiah's time growing up in poverty, his journey to Harvard and playing in the NFL, perspectives on drive and managing setbacks, and all things Will Ventures. We could have talked for three hours and due to time constraints, we couldn't touch on everything, but I promise part two is in the works. And so without further ado, my interview with Isaiah Kasavensky So maybe let's just kick things off at the beginning here. Like, where did you grow up and like, what was your upbringing like?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in, in upstate New York, um, small town called Endicott, New York, about an hour South of Syracuse and. the youngest of of five kids and you know very very early on in my life i realized that you know you kind of i had this realization uh that uh we didn't have a lot and you know was able to put a word uh, you know on it when i was you know uh somewhat older but you know grew up in poverty uh was homeless for parts of our childhood um you know our entire family There's so young as five or seven of us um, pretty tough upbringing. My, my father was, you know, an alcoholic, um, who's now been, uh, 30 years sober, you know, after this experience, 30 years sober and, um, just an ama- amazing person, but it was an unbelievably you know, tumultuous upbringing on that, on that front. Um, you know, we got evicted, uh, I don't know, it was like four or five times, um, uh, growing up, just not being able to pay rent, um, having, having to move that many times, switching schools, um you know not having hot water not having heat um you know when we did it you know not having a tv growing up without a tv which i in the end you know i'm sure we could dive into this as well but i'm sure that helped yeah a lot of different ways and my mom my mom was an amazing person you know on on the flip side just an amazing woman both 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 my parents spent um a large amount of their childhood in orphanages and my mom was the first 13 years of her life was she was an orphanage and um you know didn't have you know, amazing you know kind of early on in her life but she knew she wanted better for her you know her kids when she eventually had them and she's just an amazing person and um you know battled uh you know learning disability um you know after you know kind of failing two grades graduating high school when she was over 20. um you know with that background just knew also that the foundation of uh, an education to give us the best chance was it was important as well so she really had us focus on reading and books early on in our lives. And yeah, our Sundays were six hour reading sessions around that. But you know, we didn't have a lot kind of financially, but my mom uh, really put us in a great spot. Um, Just amazingly positive woman and uh, knowing that she wanted, you know, better for us as well as giving us contacts that we were, uh, you know, we weren't the the, the only one going through pain, right? She used to play Martin Luther, we had a record player, she used to play Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream Speech for us. Once a week, she used to sit us down and play that for us. And it made a lasting impression on each of us. And, you know, really helped me understand that there's, you know, a lot of people hurting uh, in the world and that the world needs more love, I think, in in, in, in general. and. Uh, that was one of the the things that you know of many that my mom was able to kind of impart on us early on and really kind of you know give the foundation. So um, yeah, I remember just you know kind of to answer fully answer your question, kind of that upbringing it, it made me realize early on that I wanted more and um, right. You know, wanted more for my family, I eventually would have a, have a have a family as well. And you know, that burden of poverty uh, really never goes away. Whether it's ever in poverty, you kind of always, you know, remember that time. And I think it's a big driver in in a positive way. And I think people can, you know, um, derive inspiration in a lot of different ways. And um, that was one of the one of the things that that, that definitely motivated me motivated me early on for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of acted as an as an accelerator for you to have that driving to want more
0: absolutely yeah yeah no it's uh you know kind of you know woke things up i remember you know being you know you know nine-year-old kid and uh just you know sitting there thinking which i think was probably you know looking back and having kids my own now and i 17 and 15 that you know kind of understanding uh that that was a you know pretty you know powerful moment kind of early on but you know um you know, then committing to that after as well.
1: Yeah. And did you, did you say that both of your parents grew up in orphanages?
0: Yeah. 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 My wow. mom, my, my father uh, last my mom was you know, the first 13 years of, of her life. Uh, she, she was in uh, an orphanage. My father was, you know, off and on uh, through that. So it's, they're pretty similar upbrings and, you know, but also kind of, your perspective is is also one of the things that again, kind of my like mom and part of me, but like trying to understand having similar upbringings and you know uh understanding you know what e- each parent, you know, how they were how they then chose to define uh themselves and not let letting kind of environment necessarily define them in different ways or or how i can define you in some ways as well, right? So being very, you know, conscious of that was, was something kind of early on as well. And, you know, my, you know, the mom was, was someone that was, you know, kind of always being able to, you know, kind of, um, be thoughtful in her wording and, you know, just amazing on, you know, being explained to me. And again, I was the baby as well, five. So I think my mom, you know, took particular, uh, you know, kind of attention as well. Although She did it, you know, she was just amazing to, to all the My brothers and sisters as well, but um, yeah, I think understanding that, you know, kind of even on their own side, kind of, you know, you can let, you know, your environment define you or not. And you, you you know, it's really ends up being a choice of your own
1: on how you do that. Interesting. So, so they didn't really have like, like a model, like a parenting model framework to kind of relate to since it was kind of sort of this brand new thing for them in terms of being parents.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a really good uh you know piece of insight for you. Yeah, I, I I kind of think about it in in that front as well, which is you know, they didn't have a lot of models for themselves, you know, around, you know, both both parents came from, um, you know, both of my parents came from, you know, their real families were kind of um you know uh, battle alcoholism on both sides and you know it kind of defined that kind of snowball effect it kind of you know continue to kind of repeat itself history would continue to repeat itself over and over and i think that you know my mom just decided that it was enough saw saw had seen the destruction uh for that as as well and i will say this um you know it's it's one of the the things that um yeah, I'm a huge fan of sports because there's a lot of men and women around, you know, a lot of sports, sports being a microcosm of life, but men and women around the, the, the game of any game, right? I love sports in general, kind of across the board, but they can really help, you know, start to define and, and set guidelines, um, you know, in life. And, you know, there's these amazing things about, you know, focus and determination and accountability, all these kind of building blocks. Um, whether you get it at home or not, um, you can have amazing men and women around that. And that definitely was the case for me. My mom, you know, no one in my family played a, a sport, but my mom actually had two nuns um, that were in the orphanage that she grew up in that really took her under her wing and show her, you know, showed her how to be a young lady, but also showed her on a love and You know, kind of, um, yeah. I think that made a huge difference in my mom's trajectory as well, right? She had a model like that, that kind of, to help kind of say, all right, more of this is you know didn't necessarily you know show her to be a parent, but like more of this was good. And how do we how do we drive more of that? And you know, make someone believe, even if it was kind of these small moments of, you know, kind of lighting, um, you know, kind of that someone believed in me, someone loved me. Um, you know, I think my mom always held on to that and understood how important that was, which is one of the amazing kind of, you know, I think my mom was a genius in a lot of ways, but that was one of the, you know, emotionally just, you know, unbelievably, you know, kind of she understood how unbelievably important that was uh for us. And it it defined, you know, it completely changed my childhood and my my brothers and sisters as well.
1: Yeah. And what did what did homelessness look like for you and your family? And like how many times during your childhood, do you remember being homeless?
0: Um, so, you know, like I said, kind of evicted, you know, from homes, you know, four or five times, you know, apartments, homes, you know, being able to make rent. Um, and, you know, it was about a, a nine month period. Um, I forgot how, how old I was, but we had to essentially live in a tent and you know just didn't didn't have uh the resources or you know kind of you know my my father my my senior year in high school uh my my father was was a janitor you know i'll I'll kind of that's kind of uh fast forward and accelerating a little but you know just just for a framework you know my father made you know it was like seven or eight thousand dollars a year my senior year of high school so uh you know kind of spreading that out over five kids and um, not not having a lot, we're always trying to make make ends meet. But I, you know, remember, you know, those times in the tent, um, you know, just trying to get by. And, and yeah, I think you know, for me, there's there's a, a kind of a, a calming and you know soothing moment from from my end. You know that my mom would always kind of impart on us as well um, that we were going to be okay and things were going to be okay uh, that we were loved. Um, but I remember, you know, kind of those moments again, like you you don't forget, you know, that, you know, some of it was, you know, great to be, you know, imagine me kind of alone and isolated around that. But yeah, I always, my mom always made us feel like we were together, even though it was kind of ups and downs, my father drinking and not, um, you know, mom always kind of made, made us feel, feel together. And that they were they were one, but yeah, th- those kind of moments around that, you know, kind of trying to function day to day and, you know, not having a bathroom, you know, other things. You, yeah, I think a lot of those experiences allow, you know, allow you to be grateful kind of later on as well, right? And kind of want more and, you know, you know, the building blocks around that. So anyway, that's, yeah, I think it was, I almost say it's like a blur, um, you know, kind of around those those pieces i i think you know it wasn't very much even kind of if, if we had a house um, um you know the times we did still not having hot water and electricity it was it was not that much different right uh and, and some of the, the kind of the, the day-to-day um around that but yeah i think again kind of that blur of you know always feeling like we're gonna have to move, always feeling that, um, we, you know, you were not, we're not gonna be in one place at one time. Um, it was always it was, I, mean, I remember it being kind of frustrating again, kind of all these things kind of point to being a driver and you're really wanting stability, uh, for myself or for my family kind of later on in life as well.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned kind of the, the massive impact that your mom had and kind of, how she was a beam of I guess positivity uh kind of throughout your childhood what was it like to to lose her and like like how old were you when when she passed
0: yeah so my mom um my mom was you know deeply religious it's one of the things that um she really kind of you know imparted on us when when she was younger she and she had just just deep deep faith and you know she ended up you know, going on these missionary trips to kind of, you know, spread the word. Um, but, you know, doing these missionary trips, traveling across the country with very little money in her pocket and just, you know, having faith that she would get there and uh, whether it be hitchhiking or not, um, you know, she, she had this immense faith that things would be okay. Um, it was amazingly powerful. I remember, you know, being afraid for her as a little kid. Oh, and she'd go on these, these trips as well. You know, going back and forth, Uh, but she always believed um, that things would be okay, and and, you know, he's kind of believed with her. Uh, My parents ended up you know divorcing when you know I was I forgot yeah how old I was you know nine or nine or ten, and you know really ended up splitting time with with my father and my mother. Um, My father ended up getting sober um, when I was. Uh, I believe when I was when I was 13, Um, and yeah, I was 13 uh, around that. And um, long story short, my mom passed away when I was when I was in high school. Um, You know, on when she was out on a missionary trip, she she ended up being hit by a a large truck um, as she was on a missionary trip, Um, and it was you know devastating for me. I was was a senior in high school and uh, you know, as a captain of the football team I was, uh, you know, found out the, the morning of, uh, a state, you know, state playoff game and, you know, it was just unbelievably devastating. It was, uh, you know, a you know, huge hole still left in my heart, uh, from that, but, you know, understanding, um, that, you, you know, in a lot of different ways, you can't, um, you can't let those circumstances define. You can, you know, I can remember her and, um honor her and remember her and hold on to a lot of the things that she said and a lot of those lessons and as i've grown older i continue to appreciate her more and more on on what she, what she did but y'all you know, we always all all five of his siblings you know absolutely appreciated my father still you know to this day does as well again like i said he got sober and has turning his life around he's been an amazing uh, father and grandfather to to all the uh, all of his grandkids now as well, so you know, unbelievably proud of him. And my, I know my mom would be proud of him as well. But you are know, devastating for that. You know, I ended up playing in the in the state uh, quarterfinal game that 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 night, and um, you know, had one of the best games I'd ever played. But you know, was still just completely empty, uh, in you know, inside after the game. Uh, but it was you know, during those you know two two and a half hours that I could kind of uh, disappear and. Right, uh, be and do what I, I've always kind of found in football, which is you know a way to you know completely you know immerse myself, lose myself, uh, not think and just be. And I think you know when anyone finds a passion, I, you know kind of the world over, it's that's really they, they could probably kind of relate to that and and find a, a similar you know kind of place that, that I just kind of described there.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that positivity throughout all those incredibly tough times, like the you know, poverty and homelessness is so probably huge for you. Um, whenever you come up with, come against tough times now, like COVID for example, and all that, just, just to continue, continuing to remain positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think those, those lessons early on and have carried over, um, I know like you just find out as a, as a young kid, what, what, what difficult is. You, you also kind of find out. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I you know, found out a lot of people, you know, a lot about how people, the world kind of works and how it, you know, it functions and people's perceptions um, can change of you in the, in the, in the blink of an eye. Right. So yeah, I was the kid that, you know, before even finding, finding football was, you know, was a kid that was made fun of every single day, you know, wearing the same clothes, not having kind of, you know, washer, dryer you know, at home, um, you know, grass stains and, you know, kind of, you know, same clothes, maybe, you know, kind of being ridiculed for smelling or, you know, kind of getting free lunches and a free lunch line, et cetera, being made fun of. And then, you know, finding football uh, and finding kind of that, uh, A, I was pretty good at hitting people and uh, <laughs> my first kid picked on the on the playground, I think it was an important piece for me, which, you know, people all of a sudden wanted to be my friend and kind of best friend and kind of across the board. And I, I remember like, just as a little kid, like thinking like I'm the same person. I did not change at all. Why does everyone want to hang out with me again? And I never forgot that. Right. And I always, you know, kind of, I think it kind of is very much in line with, you know, I talked about how, you know, my mom always looked at the world as well, which is always kind of think about, you know, how, you know, a lot of people are always going through something. You never know what they're going through and, I step in their shoes and try to understand what they what they could be going through but you know those kind of building blocks and you know where you what you were talking about is definitely over the years um you know there's been challenges is you know kind of not sitting around feeling sorry for myself but being saying hey things could always be worse and um you know not my myself in this and you know you know there, there's been moments you know again kind of over and over that would test that. Um, you know that kind of power of human will uh, over and over and right. I think the, the sense of you know just you know grit and perseverance all those things for me I don't think would have been enough I think you know the you know what you mentioned this layer of positivity uh, to to just know that something, um well you know good will always happen uh and in the or or, or you'll know, potentially happen in the end it's not like you can guarantee something will happen, but you yeah is something, always going to work out so that level of positivity things are, aren't aren't always as bad as you think they are it's just served me well right you know, kind of those two kind of functions as well and you know this year um you know in, in a lot of ways i think a lot of people could could look at this year you know, obviously it's you know it's been a difficult year and kind of devastating a lot of fronts but you can also look at it as you know a way to kind of step back and 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 really you know uh assess and um you know opportunity you know for me you know to spend more time at home with the, you know my my kids my wife um those moments that have just been you know for me an unbelievably huge huge blessing over the last year right so it's Take a positive outlook on that i'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that have uh, maybe they've had too much time at home now at this point but like yeah you know for that it's just it's like that's priceless right as our kids grow up and we've had an entire year with them to you know um you know from you know work out with them and you know train with them and you know do you know help them with schoolwork or you know just be amazing family time it's just got kind of pressure so kind of choosing to look at this in, in a lot of different ways but you know, also kind of understand that there's, you know, kind of, you know, a lot going on in the world and, you know, a lot of people are going through, through a lot of different things as well. So anyway, that, that's a long winded way of saying, yeah, they, you know, kind of, I, I think kind of along the way that, yeah, kind of early building blocks definitely helped me deal with it. But, you know, that, yeah, you know, grit, perseverance kind of will by itself without that positivity um I don't think would have would have gotten gotten me to where I'm at right now and still still think there's something you know big out there to to go achieve and accomplish you know kind of across the board I I still feel like I've hit the the tip of the iceberg I want to go do something big
1: wow (laughs) what's that going to look like
0: (laughs) uh I don't know I just always felt I I mean I I think it's probably you know kind of from the upbringing as well I just like always uh one of the things that my mom would always kind of impart on is like there's there is always, um, you know, something amazing around the corner. You just never know. And, you know, keep, you know, working hard and and be ready for that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've always had kind of this, this inkling, on kind of every step along the way, even, even during my time in the NFL, you know, kind of, you know, playing and, you know, living out a dream and being unbelievably grateful for that. I always felt that there was something more beyond and then, you know, kind of, you know, kind of uh, being able to transition out and going to business school and then being an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, and then you know, kind of now, so there's. I just always feel that there's kind of something else big to accomplish. Mm-hmm. No, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's Just that I think it's a it's an awesome motivator, though, and it's it's like an awesome gift that I think my mom gave me. <laughs> um, it's not even like a not satisfied uh, thing. You know, of like you know, because you know, I I am kind of grateful. The path has been an amazing amount of people around. You know, kind of through. You know that have helped me, you know, along the way. But I think it's more of there's something else, uh, you know, else, else, you know, big out there to accomplish and to achieve.
1: Bigger than the NFL and bigger than Will Ventures. Well,
0: well I mean, yeah, I mean, in, in the end, um, it, it's more of you know we we have limited time to go kind of achieve and you know, uh, yeah, if you ever felt you plateaued. Um, I guess I'll I'll take that back. I never want to feel like that like I did plateau uh for that because life's too fun and uh right. you know, too curious too, too curious to not want to find out uh what else is out there, right? By continuing to kind of push the envelope and uh continue to explore and continue to to see, which is one of the reasons that I love, you know, my time at Will Ventures and working with amazing people, amazing entrepreneurs, uh, you know, across the board. It's it's you know day in and day out, it's, it's the true joy of going to work and, you know, starting well Ventures with my co-founder, Brian Riley as well. And, you know, and being able to kind of build that day in and day out.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the impact that your, your mom has had on your life and kind of the lessons learned, but what about, what about the impact that your dad has had on your life and kind of what lessons have, um, you've taken from him and how's that evolved over the years?
0: it's an awesome question and you know yeah quite honestly I'm I'm not asked it enough and you know my my mom you know guys we've got to walk through all those those different things that she's done and for me and my siblings as well as other people I mean she's an amazing woman but my father and kind of his story and um, knowing how difficult his journey has been and you know kind of again kind of trying to figure out You know, kind of the the physical and mental abuse he had to endure as as a kid and trying to understand his situation and how far he's come to then kind of break the cycle of alcoholism and then be a person, be a father, be a grandfather. Uh, Anyone that's been around addiction and kind of, you know, these cycles that are created can, can completely understand that it's not easy to do and he did it. And just so proud of him for me, you know, being the young youngest as well, having the, the you know, kind of the largest runway with him, um, <clears throat> to truly understand that journey and how hard he's worked. So just you know, for me, uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons that my my father um has has given me is um is this uh, you know ability for people to change, right? I think people like to paint in broad strokes of you know, bucket people, um, but he's kind of proof, I've seen it, uh, how people can change. And um, if they want to, uh, you, know, you know, even kind of being overcome with, with you know, addiction and everything else, if, if you want uh, a better life for yourself and for your family, and you want to, um, you know, be in this world and, and you know, understand how precious life and time is, uh, being able to kind of make that change and change, changing as a person. And I think it's it's one of the great things that that he's you know he's been able to give me and kind of see. Um, not that I, I necessarily didn't know it, but it's been great to kind of see that as well. And kind of that that power of forgiveness as well. Um, you know, uh you know being able to you truly for, forgive my father uh authentically, not just kind of oh you know kind of forgive you but saying yeah I, I truly forgive you and you know, uh, everything that has been, and, you know, kind of all how hard yeah, he's worked to kind of turn his life around as well. So just has been, a, you know, kind of amazing journey with him as well. And, um, I think equally is, is powerful in a lot of different ways. And it's just, I mean, he's amazing. Uh, he's, he's, you know, kind of see parts of myself, uh, in him, like over the years, I see parts of my kids. You know that you know you know see shades of him in my kids as well. It's it's kind of crazy, but my you know father, unbelievably outgoing and loud, and you know loves to sing. Has a you know kind of you know his life. You know one of my dad's calling cards for everyone out there is his his voicemail. You know he used to have the kind of old school voicemail. You know you know answering machine where you know you could leave a message. He now has a yeah, cell phone, which is pretty amazing. He's been able to transition over to that, but uh, he, he leaves singing uh, answering machine message, you know, what, which is not an answering, machine, you know, kind of voicemail messages. Um, he yeah, has a greeting for anyone that calls and that's been his calling card now for, you know, 30 years, once he's been sober, he's done it every single year, you know, every single week of every single year since. And, uh, it's, it's pretty funny, but you know, it's, it's pretty amazing kind of seeing that person come out, right. That person bloom, uh, from that. And I was able to kind of see it. It's almost kind of like the, <laughs> the, the birth of someone new, right. As you kind of mm-hmm. go through that process and be able to see it. And in a lot of ways, me, my dad and I have a deep connection around that as well as my siblings kind of with my father on their own time around, around that. So anyway, it's a, it's an awesome question. Very rarely asked that question as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, That's great. And, um, so shifting gears here, I want to start talking about like your football journey. So when did you start playing football?
0: So, yeah, I found uh, football at nine years old, uh, and, you know, was asked to play on the, you know, the playground. I had never, I didn't know anything about it. <clears throat> um, had never, had never seen, uh, you know, or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd maybe seen people play on the playground, but never bet, you know, no one ever picked me and be involved or anything else. And, um, you know, it took a little bit, but, you know, pretty quickly, you know, it was fun to take a great, you know, as a young kid with, you know, probably, you know, um, you know, not necessarily a lot of outlets like take, you know, kind of energy out. It, like, like my energy kind of was. Always taken out like via books and reading as even as a young kid, as my mom, but like having that another outlet for that, (laughs) which was football of like chasing people down tack. I like loved it. I loved I (laughs) it was like it kind of was an instant uh gratification where no one could tell me to like stop or slow down. Uh I just go. And it was pretty amazing on that. Um, you know, it was probably like, and it was also like. You know, my child, like you're able to kind of play like full blown tackle football on the playground, <laughs> you can't do that right now. And I <laughs> but uh, you got a kind of real, real, real rough house as well. So it was from that point, I fell in love and um, listened to that you know, Super Bowl, the Chicago Bears doing the Patriots Super Bowl uh, 1986 on the radio. Um, you know, that you know, then the Super Bowl was coming up after I'd never heard of it um dialed it in and, and just fell in love with the game listening to it on the radio is awesome i like just tuned in my parents my siblings i was crazy They're like what are you doing um but just you know kind of hovering around that and just fell in love with the game and ha- haven't haven't stopped since and uh it's been you know just just an amazing um, like I said, kind of outlet, you know, for that, I would say he's kind of sports, sports overall, but, uh, as well as kind of, you know, as a, as a football player, a, a wrestler and we ran track as well. And just was, um, you know, a- amazing kind of uh, learnings and people around, you know, men and women around the, 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 uh, the sports themselves, the teachers at school, all kind of amazing, um mentors and kind of people to look up to along the way right um and people that believe in me right uh, where you know kind of your know, football has very much been you know something for me even kind of seeing it now you know where i had you know when i first played organized football i finally played organized football like in seventh grade where you know everyone's been playing pop warner and you know youth football now I, I literally had zero training you know on that i was unbelievably raw and green and, you know, sometimes you'd have, uh, you know, coaches that would see that and be like, ah, this kid, um, never played, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know to play, doesn't even know how to line up, doesn't know anything. I just had amazing coaches in seventh grade that, um, that just, you know, believed in me, were unbelievably patient with me. And they kind of awakened, uh, this, uh, you know, kind of this, this side of me of like patience. And kind of you know learning with me, and then you know the gratification of being able to continue to get better and continue to achieve uh, you know kind of along the way, which is which is awesome because they could have easily kind of um, you know pushed me aside of like all right this kid you know which which kind of happens in new sports right this inability to give uh, give everyone a chance, which I'm, I'm a huge believer in <laughs> this is democratization of experience, give everyone a shot. I'm a, I'm a huge believer because you just don't know. Um, just because, you know, a family has money to, you know, we didn't have money to to play, you know, youth football or anything else, which seems like not a lot of money. We just didn't have it though, right? You know, kind of, you know, knowing the background. And I wasn't given, you know, necessarily a fair shot. Coaches, obviously, that, that kind of believed me around the, along the way. But yeah, I think that's one of the things that, just if your parent has money to give you amazing coaching lessons, everything else, great. but how, how do you level playing field for everyone else that may not have that? And that's, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge believer on being able to, you know, democratize access uh, kind of to that, but just because I know the power of sports and kind of the power uh, and effect it can have in lives. I mean, it changed my life and trajectory around that for sure.
1: Yeah. And when did you realize that you could actually like potentially make a career at football and like, what were your aspirations um, for, football, for football while growing up?
0: Uh yeah, I mean I pretty early on I was like, all right, you know, realize that football, you know, sp- I would say sports overall because like, you continue to like fall in love with other sports, but like football in particular and and academics my way out and like just you know got into that. I remember um someone from my my you know my hometown had, had gotten a full scholarship to University of Notre Dame and you know full scholarship i was like wait what's a full scholarship get you'll find out i was like oh my god you don't have to pay <laughs> at all because i was i remember worrying like all right if i want to achieve i think you know i realized credit pretty early like how you get to school I'm like already thinking about like well how am i gonna pay for school around this and the, like this idea of like you can go to school for free that's like that's pretty amazing <laughs> So it was a very good like motivator for me i was like all right um you know kind of worried about that early on oh wait if i work hard enough can you know earn a scholarship go to school for free so that that was kind of a huge motivator but i knew like i was writing i still have like you know drawings of me you know you know with my number playing for the chicago bears you know kind of you know um you know drawings myself saying you know i I knew i wanted to play in the nfl which is like a lot of kids dreams right but never, I never let anybody, you know, kind of take that away from me. Um, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, that's what I want to do. That's why I worked hard. And you know, really had some like big turning moments in my you know, turning point, well, one major turning point in my life when I was 14. And you know, just decided, you know, in one day, one night um, that I would, you know, completely, which changed the trajectory of my, my life as well. Um, that, you know, kind of, you know, when I was 14, didn't make the, the varsity football team. And was unbelievably kind of upset coming home and not getting, being able to get bad, to get to bed. I was, I wanted to make the varsity football team as a freshman, and didn't do it. And I remember you know kind of being sleepless that night, you know from you know, and I was had always been kind of like decently hard worker, you know, okay student. I thought that was enough. And this this night in particular, not being able to get to bed. It's 10 p.m., you know, you know midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It dawns on me. That I have no one to be upset about, nothing to be upset about except myself. I, I didn't work hard enough, right? And it just, it was just like this stark, and it seems like super obvious, but it was like this, like li- literally um, epiphany is the easiest way to put it. And I remember just having this deep sense of conviction. I never want to feel like this again, um, where I have this golden opportunity to define my entire life. I kind of had said it, but not really, really lived it. And woke up the next morning, I always like to say, it felt like, you know, Scrooge, you know, on Christmas morning, it was still Christmas. I was like, oh my God, I still have time to be able to kind of make a difference. That's what it felt like. And uh, it was just, yeah, I made a sign and said, let no one outwork you today and kind of committed to that. But that kind of led me on a journey to then go say, hey, you know, want to play in the NFL and, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I know it might not lead to what, what would be defined as success in the end? But I can look back and be proud of myself. I'm not going to have regret, and you know, trying to have you know, journey, you know, fun along the way, you know, both academically and sports wise, you know, with my family, I just tried to work as hard as I possibly could every day, take each each day at a time, and uh, doing that, and it completely changed um, everything. Yeah, I became unbelievably you know, responsive in school and attentive. I, I, I I made everything hyper competitive, <laughs> and just kind of awoke around uh, around that. And you know, I really kind of held myself to my own my own bar of like, I know where I want to go, and I'll I'll ask twenty questions in the class. I'll I'll meet the teacher at you know six a.m. At, at you know you know before school. I'll I'll, I'll lift before that. I'll, it was a pretty crazy schedule, but you know it paid off and kind of really kind of put me on the path to Harvard, and then to the NFL and I not once you know as you kind of hear the story now that once when I was nine years old all the way to being drafted did I let any, did I listen to one person say you can't make it I said I, in my head I was like I always just want a shot just someone give me a shot someone give me a shot and that's a huge motivator you know kind of along the way and um, always having a backup plan though <laughs> I was like you know, knowing, you know, you know, the story now of like growing up in poverty, I was like, I was going to put my, all my eggs in one basket. I knew that's where I want to go, but my backup plan was to be a doctor. And no, it's kind of um, where I had to make a decision, even going to Harvard. And I, by the way, I always like to say Harvard was the last place in the world. I ever thought I would have found myself. That's a, a whole story in and of itself, but yeah. Going there, I was like, all right, do, do I, will I still have a chance to play in the NFL and, and kind of check the box of like, all right, if I can go through the gauntlet that is pre-med at Harvard, then, you know, I'll be fine. It'll test me in a lot of different ways. And I did that. I was pre-med there. I worked extremely hard to really get my shot in the NFL, held down four jobs when I was there as well. So it was like, <laughs> not, a lot out, not a lot of, not a lot of, uh, you know, kind of uh, free time, so to speak uh, during my time there, but it was an amazing kind of um, way to, to realize how you know, prove to myself how much I wanted it and, and how hard I was willing to go to make sure that, um, I checked every box and didn't look back without regret, both academically and kind of NFL, you know, dream wise.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It sounds like you kind of had that classic moment of not making, not making the high school team, which really put you on this trajectory to, you know, I want, I want this to kind of be my life and make it to the NFL and all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, it was, yeah, for me, uh, you know, it was, yeah, the, not making the, the varsity team, being, being, you know, on JV, but, you know, kind of the, the premonition of just not sitting well, right. Of, I think, you know, I'm so lucky in a lot of different ways, um, where it came, come from like a, a really, really blue collar town where you don't make excuses. I think so it's part of that upbringing around, um, around kind of the town and kind of the the game itself I didn't come back and say blame someone else why I didn't why I didn't achieve right why I didn't make the team or anything else I think that was like it was you know kind of unbelievably grateful just being in that environment too um where I always like to say you know I'm I'm Polish my my mom's maiden name was Kulkowski Um, you know my name's Kazerwinski right yeah my you know my dad's name and I grew up in all Italian town where there was just, you know, I almost identified as Italian growing up, which is like, you know, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> so literally you know, like 98% Italian town. And, you know, there wasn't no excuses kind of build around that. And, you know, I think that environment definitely kind of led me to this kind of, this, you go, know, you know, ultimate moment of like, I got to work harder. Like there's no excuse, um, around that. And there's no one to blame except myself.
1: Yeah. So maybe now just like walk me through kind of your journey, of getting into Harvard and then eventually playing in the NFL.
0: Yeah. I'll streamline this as well. So I know we spent a lot of time there. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, the journey to, you know, I, I, I think working extremely hard in high school, kind of just put my head down and kind of then all of a sudden looking up it was my senior year, um, my mother, had just, you know, kind of passed away, but I look back and, you know, just, you know, was able to graduate, you know, very near the, the top of my class and, um, you know, had, you know, kind of achieved on, you know, both the gridiron uh, as well as kind of wrestling, as well as I was a pentathlete and, and track and kind of worked extremely hard kind of across the board. I would say, uh, one of the, one of the things, you know, for me, I, you know, I had, I had scholarship offers, um. From, from several schools, but you know, I, I wouldn't call myself like crazy, highly recruited. I think, you know, I was a, I was a defensive back coming out and um, I didn't necessarily have the 40 yard dash time that people said, hey, oh, you can play big time college football. I had like good statistics in and of Long story short, um, I verbally committed to University of Connecticut, full scholarship, you know, kind of, um, they were you know, just starting, you know, to be kind of transitional over to division one football. It was a great, um, you know, a great opportunity for me. Uh, and then, you know, had discussions with Harvard, uh, they showed up at a school, um, very much, you know, the, the, the coach that recruited me, uh, coach Foley at, at Harvard ended up saying, you know, he was just trying to kill time, um, and kind of ended up stopping accidentally at my high school, uh, had not even heard me and asked the coach like, all right, I'm just going to turn on, turn on tape here and see what we have. And, uh long story short you, know, you ended up saying hey you should you know would love to have you take a trip uh to harvard uh and you know i always thought like i said that you know that would be just never thought that'd be you know kind of not fit in that'd be a misfit there uh you know wasn't i think you know, didn't come from like a private school or you know kind of was not a legacy it was like you know i just had my mind made up and I'll kind of fast forward and up taking the trip just as the kind of a way to say, Hey, I can always tell my grandkids. I took a trip to Harvard and I was coming out and ended up really changing my life and just loved the experience. Um, I was worried that people weren't going to take football seriously as well um, there. And it was, it was the exact opposite. You've got you know, 110 guys on the team that all um, did not, you know, there's no athletic scholarships there and all did not have to play all Played because they loved the game, and it was just it was an awesome, awesome, um, you know, kind of, you know, way for me to go explore and understand, um, you know, how how things were done there, and then you know, the campus itself, the students, just you know, people coming from all walks of life, it was it was just it was unbelievable, kind of, you know, aspect for me, and you know, ended up making a decision to go there, and. Um, you know, yeah, obviously not a ton of guidance uh, for that. It's, it's crazy. I even kind of weighed it so heavily, <laughs> weighed on it so heavily and like thought about it as, you know, but, you know, the, the time being able to kind of get in and then, you know, worrying about how to how to pay, um, you know, for for that. And yeah, I ended up getting an academic scholarship that, you know, essentially paid for, you know, almost all of my college experience, was, you know, kind of amazing process in itself. And again, kind of took that leap of faith in my mom where, you know, things will work out. Um, and, you know, Harvard's actually since changed their, their kind of admission process. It's, you know, it's fully blind as well as kind of need-based if you're, I think if your parents make, you know, less than, I, forgot, I don't know what it is now, it's like 150,000 or 200,000, it's completely free, like no questions asked which obviously I would have fallen under that if <laughs> my dad was making 70000 right. um around that. But I guess long story short, I had, had faith there. And then, you know, I committed to you know being, you know, I knew how my backup plan was to be, be a doctor. I think, um, you know, having, you know, the the level focus, it was, you know, kind of very much a weeding out period during my, you know, freshman year. And I think a lot of people that were taking even those classes had already taken them in private school and, like everywhere else so it was a steep learning curve for me again kind of committing to that and yeah i ended up starting as a freshman there and you know kind of i kind of fast forward you know started four years four years there um my my goal at Harvard which was I would I don't know if you'd call it lofty but I did not ever want to get anything less than a B I'd want to get, have any C or below ever and you know I finished with that right B be in everything above, um, around that every single class I ever took there, which I, I was extremely proud of. There, it, was, it took a massive amount <laughs> of will uh, to, to do so uh, you know, on, on, on that front. You know, while like I said, kind of holding on for jobs and uh, being able to obviously fulfill you know on the gridiron and you know continue to work towards being being drafted in the NFL. Um, so. Oh. You know, kind of fast forward by the time, you know, I was a senior, um, know, yeah, I ended up not being invited to the NFL scouting combine, but it's a longer story of being able to get noticed. I essentially ran like 14 mini combines and, you know, <laughs> made a name for myself, ended up being drafted by the Seahawks in the fourth round. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing experience draft day, you know, from that, you know, that time as that nine-year-old kid to being drafted, uh, just, it was almost a surreal moment. And kind of uh, just amazing to to get that call uh, in you know in the fourth round on a you know on a Saturday and just you know kind of that that entire you know process in itself just just amazing and then you know really playing you know those eight years you know loving my time in Seattle was you know three time captain there and um, was uh, you know one of the captains of the the first Super Bowl team. You know, around that but you know during my time uh there that really you know started to learn the first time i was handed that check uh in 2000 you know played from 2000 to 2008 um you know six years in seattle then with the rams ended my career the, the Raiders and an in injury reserve year but you know during my time in the Nfl was was handed a check you know for a signing bonus in 2000 and and realized that i had no finance background i mean everything that we, we've talked about right now is like Oh my God. Like I was always, you know, science, biology, chemistry, physics and realized that, you know, if you've ever read that book, rich dad, poor dad, you understand that, uh, you know, the, I just didn't have any background. I didn't have a kind of sense of, you know, um, you know, how, how anything works. So I, I took it upon myself to say, all right, I'm not gonna just hand this off to someone and figure it out. I was, I was handed a $275,000 signing bonus. And I was like, all right, I better learn from the ground up here. So learned everything I could, public markets, private markets, and did that for three years. I, for the first time in my life, I had free time and it was a pretty amazing process, mm-hmm. um, you know, around that, and, you know, read every book I could and um, talked to as many people as I could and who's there kind of really started to then, you know, started investing um, in the off seasons, my third year, uh, and really haven't stopped investing since 18 years ago, started investing as like a lone wolf. And I would embed myself into the companies I invest in to learn like a fly on the wall. It was just, you know, kind of amazing process in and of itself around that. And, you know, continued to to do that. And you continue to invest, um, you know, and grew that angel portfolio continue to grow it um you know over the years continue to learn and by the time I you know retired um you know after my eighth year I had you know nine surgeries at the time um uh, pretty pretty beat up but yeah I wanted to play 10 years I got to eight decided that you know my, I didn't want to go to medical school I want to go to business school and that was kind of my transition now is what was next and and Chase you know one of the things I did you know kind of also look at is like the guys that had retired you know that had been before me but i I watched closely the guys retired who challenged themselves and who didn't and the guys that challenged themselves you know really led you know just amazing lives fulfilling lives etc the guys that didn't very much became like almost like a shell of themselves it was like it was crazy to me uh where this person that was you know kind of you know master of the universe you know kind of um were a player just became something else, uh, off of that. And I, yeah, I think that was, that was really important for me to see. And then, so, you know, the, the, idea of like, what's next, uh, how do I challenge myself and, you know, being able to do that. And I knew I eventually wanted to start a venture capital fund and, you know, retired in 2008, you know, gotten to Harvard business school in, you know, to get my MBA in, in 2009 and, you know, really have, you know, the past sense has really been, you know, around this idea of, Starting a fund from the ground up, but earning the right to a point of view on the way there, and, and got some amazing advice from mentors along the way. For the where, you know, having named Wool Ventures a long time ago, and you know, okay. speaks to the, the the power of human will, kind of uh, very much a core to kind of what we look at. And we can, I'll, I could pause there because I know you probably want to dive into it a little more, but it's really kind of been a long time in the making with along with Brian Riley. We've been working together eleven years.
1: Wow. Yeah no, I'm definitely want to get into it now. So maybe just for the people listening, provide a quick overview of Will Ventures for people who don't know.
0: Yeah yeah, Will so Will Ventures is an early stage venture capital fund, typically seed stage in investing, uh, where we like to lead or co lead at that you know at that early stage. And you know it's a very very unique thesis. Um, will Ventures it's itself uh, speaks to the power of human will, um, which is very much a nod to the entrepreneurs on their journey knowing how unbelievably difficult it is you know in the face of immense odds just the willingness to just find a way right there's these deep parallels between both my background brian's background as well which is very similar of just overcoming and achieving there's deep parallels around that life and kind of life in general around what the entrepreneur has to go go through as well right and somewhat of a microcosm and that scrappiness and willingness to just find uh any, any any way is kind of around that so the name Will Ventures speaks to the power of human will, but it's very much a nod to those entrepreneurs and that journey, uh, which is a you know kind of it, for us, it's not a tagline. It's it's very much you know kind of you know, how we look at the world as well. So you know where where we kind of focus and the unique thesis we focus around is how does sports, broadly defined, open up massive adjacent markets such as healthcare, fitness, digital media, IoT. Esports inter- intersects with traditional sports, gaming, uh, daily fantasy sports as well. Which is sports is this amazing, um, you know, way to drive passion. But how do you touch massive adjacent markets? We always like to say we're sector specific, but we're generalist in the markets we touch that, that are kind of large and a lot in kind of in a major way. Like over the years, sports has always had this like perceived niche, you know, um, you know, kind of you know, uh, definition and kind of way it's been defined, we're saying, hey, that niche actually touches massive, massive adjacent markets around that. So very unique kind of around that and kind of the adjacencies it touches. uh, For that, we've defined those markets very clearly. We started a, you know, market research analysis group, uh, Sports Innovation Lab, you know, co-founded that with, you know, Angela Rizzaro and Josh Walker to really have us be kind of a stepping stone to, you know, earn the right to a point of view in the space, but also. Uh, continue to um, you know, really understand the markets that we that we you kind of dive into and the entrepreneurs that we, we work with, which is you know can we can we finish their sentences right? Do we understand the markets well enough to be able to do that? It's the one thing that that we always say internally.
1: Right, yeah, and you know you'll see like a lot of the technologies nowadays, like the whoops and the hyperices, who started out in sports but are now coming into the mainstream. And being part of like stuff like recovery and healthcare and preventative health.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a trend that's been around. I mean, we look at it as, you know, much like space exploration uh, and the innovation around that has trickled down to a broader society over time, as well as military innovation uh, has trickled down to a broader society over time. Sports has always done that. Uh, over over time and quite honestly it does in quicker feedback loops again kind of how we define the markets you know very very specifically is is important and um, you know we're excited we're the the only research-backed player in this space we're the only uh, institutionally backed player in this space we're backed by two large university endowments um, uh, you know nine professional team owners across four major sports and then you know great group of LPs including athletes and former entrepreneurs and um, you know, kind of founders, managing partners at, you know, private equity and venture capital funds, you know, hedge funds as well. So it's just, a you know, kind of great LP base for that to go work with in the end, our core is to work with amazingly talented entrepreneurs that are touching large markets that we feel that we can add a lot of value to.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure also being, being investing in that siege stage allows you to more, to focus more on i guess like you said the will and the relent- relentlessness of the of the founder and the entrepreneur and the founding teams which is yeah. a big part of venture capital overall but being in that early stage in the seed stage it kind of gives you more more weight to that
0: yeah no you you know well and your your background in finance you know having seen a lot of the different asset classes around that you know this this perceived kind of risky asset class in venture um you know we know is heavily weighted towards people right it's just you you have to choose you know wisely and you know why we spend a lot of time around getting to know the entrepreneurs what makes them tick right and trying to quantify that process for you know as much as we possibly can um, ha- obviously having a kind of a strong point of view around the markets everything else but you know the power of human will and the kind of that the ability of the you know, entrepreneur to um, you know, continue to be agile and find a way, uh, is something that we know is, you know, outsized, um, in importance, uh, this early of a stage. Right. And, you know, you'll kind of almost every, you know, people are always going to be important, but even more so in venture, which is kind of your, your point in, in you know, in you kind of, in your comment that you made.
1: Yeah. And what are what what maybe like one or two of your portfolio companies that you're like really excited about? Um and why give some shout-outs.
0: <laughs> oh man, I love art. so it's this is like you know, having kids is always like say, hey, how do you, you know, choose your favorite kid? Right, but, right. Yeah. Um, but you know, just you know, for us it's it's you know, we've got deep you know, relationships, you know, with, with all of our founders. Um, you know. There's some there. There is some amazing. It's so hard to pick just one, but you know we've, we're like in the connected fitness space. We have an amazing company called Light Boxer, which is truly kind of democratizing this at-home fitness. Think about you know, kind of Peloton, you know, boxing. You know, Peloton for boxing is kind of the easiest way to put it around this. But you know, kind of a a light system, an you know, entire platform, but a light system synchronized to music um you know to punch and get an unbelievably intense workout uh, around that you know truly democratizing at-home fitness right kind of this efficiency around that amazing entrepreneur our two founders uh the ceo came from Formlabs, former executive there and uh former mit phd uh, amazing person you know, the other co-founders todd Vagris, founder of spark capital but just amazing group uh and you know kind of focus growing very very quickly and uh you know truly focused around you know day in day out uh how we provide the best experience uh for the consumer as well so just an amazing company um uh, I, mean, I could go on and talk about our entire portfolio right uh, another another amazing company jock market um you know founder tyler carlin came out of mit met him a long time ago with this vision of being able to, you know, look at, you know, create an entirely new segment of, of fantasy sports and engagement around sports uh, that is, you know, takes essentially each athlete in, in user, user shares kind of in-game. So these kind of pregame and post-game, ipo right before the game, and then trading shares all the way to the end of game. Hmm. There's live interaction of trading shares based on projections of, you know, fantasy points scored. Uh, day in and day out so they launched with football golf basketball you said a massive last weekend and at the masters around this but it's this high level of right. engagement um, live in real time around that uh, just unbelievable um, you know people in app you know from you know an hour and a half to two hours at a time um, a day uh, in app you know around that so you have just launched you know Major league, uh, major league baseball MLB Um, on that as well. But, you know, continuing to, you know, look at uh, the platform as, you know, really a form of entertainment, right? Uh, A way to kind of engage across the board, but, you know, truly um, unique on that engagement style and, you know, the ability to create, again, kind of an entirely new market segment that you can be interactive uh, the entire game long.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'll add one because I'm releasing his podcast episode next week. Uh, Ari Tulla of Health.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He is one you of my,
0: Ari. Yeah. is amazing. Yeah, you, you think about kind of, you know, again, I'll go back to a you know thesis-driven kind of approach, research-backed approach as well. There's areas, again, all of these areas that we invest in, we have like deep conviction. Uh, obviously, amazing entrepreneurs across the board. Ari is just an amazing, amazing entrepreneur, and you know it's an area we feel really, really deeply around, which is you know precision nutrition, the ability to customize nutrition for each of us. We're all different. Um, the ability to deliver that experience in a way that is highly efficient as well, met to our needs from nutritional sensitivity to genetic makeup to, you know, how we want to live life. And in the end, I always define, you know, nutrition is such a key stake on how do we feel our best and um, taking guesswork on how to feel our best as well. And, you know, health and, you know, what what, Ari is doing there is in the entire team is, is amazing and, you know, super excited to have you know, led their seed round and, you know, see those guys on that journey already making huge progress.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite uh, conversations so far with him. So I'm excited to put and that he's out there. An amazing person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Um, getting these last couple questions here before I let you go, as is the name of the podcast, The Driving Force Podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life?
0: Oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. I think... Yeah, again, I'll probably go back to where I started, which is, you know, that burden of poverty early on um, was, is always kind of has never left. And I think is, is driven me um, to want a better life for for my family and um, for, you know, kind of people around me as well. And I, I think that's been a major, major driving force. I think, you know, one of the the overarching kind of pieces, though, is kind of you know really would come from from my mother as well, which is making that positive impact across the board, um, continuing to make a positive impact, knowing that life life is precious, um, and there's we only have you know a limited amount of time on this earth. Go go do something amazing, or try to do something amazing, and 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 don't have kind of fear on being able to go go do that. I I think that kind of um, yeah, you know, all of that kind of combined into one is, is really been a, my driving force for sure.
1: Awesome. And then lastly here, before I wrap up, what parting words of wisdom, um, or advice would you like to leave the people listening around just like getting through tough times?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I always go back uh, to something, you know, I've, I've thought about this, you know, from when I was a little kid to now, and it's it's a, it's a term used all the time, but you know things are never as bad as as you think they are, and that's always allowed me to take that step forward, that step forward, that step forward. And you know, obviously, taking a kind of a, a positive approach to that, um, you know, every single day, and you know, knowing that you know things may feel uh, you know really, really bad, um, but they're never as bad as, the, as they as they can be. And yeah, you know, I I think you know, On top of that, um, you know this this need. All, everyone kind of needs help along the way, and I, I was I was no stranger to to reach out and get guidance and help along the way. And I think um, you know nothing is built kind of in a silo, and nothing is ever you know no one's ever achieved anything on their on their own. And I think this willingness to reach out. Um, you know, uh, all while kind of maintaining very, very positive attitude, you know, kind of across the board, but as as well as you possibly can to reach out for help and, you know, understand, um, you know, this, this interconnection between everyone that, you know, people want to help in general, right? The kind of the characteristic and trait around that, uh, sometimes people don't understand, uh, what's going on with, with each individual and this, you know, reaching out for help is one of those, uh, amazing things that I know has helped me along the way, Uh, during, during times that, that feel rough, but understand that there's a lot of people out there that, um, that want to help. And I think that's, that's been one of the big key keys for me over the years.
1: Awesome. That's a great place to end Isaiah. Thanks again for coming on the show. This is great.
0: Chase, thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. I feel like we could have probably talked for like three hours. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry to use so much time early on. on no worries. Else, but yeah. just, yes. Yeah, super excited to have, have been on the show and um, you know, let's, let's do this, uh, you know, you know, regular check-in, uh, (laughs) I'd love to be back on the show.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, where can people go to find you online?
0: Um, yeah, just, I mean, we at willventures.com is is our website again, kind of always looking to work with amazing entrepreneurs, new ideas. Um, you know, we always say, you know, innovation has no hierarchy and kind of innovation is not have a landlock in Silicon Valley or New York City or, you know, know, Boston or wherever major city. We like to look at innovation, you know, across the entire country, obviously globally, but, you know, across the entire country as well. We're starting to see that more and more.
1: Awesome. And you all can also visit my website, chasers.com and follow me on Instagram at chasers4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks to everyone who's listening and see you next time.